This is the EWN Podcast Network. We all have lives filled with stories. Those stories make us who we are, and they are all important. Welcome to Epic Stories. I'm your host, Jean Tillery, and I want to share a story with you. I'm sure you're saying it's about time. No more lectures. Yes, an actual interview, finally. And this one's a good one. I met Dustin last October when I was in Dallas for the eWomen Network Accelerated Networking event there. And if you follow me, you know how that month ended. So I hadn't had a chance to reach back out to her since then. I was looking forward to being back in Dallas last week, especially so that I could reconnect with her. Little did I know that she had a big surprise. I always say dream big and work to become the best version of yourself. And Dustin Jones does just that. She challenged me to want to do more and be more. And I have a feeling that she'll do the same for you. To back up, since we just started, tell me who you are, what you do. Okay, for real. Not not, not your side gig yet. <laughs> no, not that one. So... Dustin Jones. Um, I'm the owner of Encompass HR. Um, so I do strategic HR consulting for startups, small businesses, mid-side businesses, um, people that just haven't ever thought about HR, which is a lot of, yes. Um, but you know, a lot of people do, I mean, they get in and they want to build their business and they don't think about all the other things. And that's funny because that's one of the things I noticed. I was the managing director at eWomen for the Richmond chapter. And that's one of the things I learned almost from immediate. And, you know, my dad was um, an upper management in his company. So I grew up with that understanding. And it was shocking to me that it wasn't obvious to everyone else, especially when you're talking about the type of employees that you have now that are so mobile. It's just yeah. easy for them to leave yeah. as to find, you know, a place yeah. that's really comfortable. So I love the whole concept of HR, even though kind of traditionally they've gotten a bad rap. Well, we do. We we do get a bad rap, and I've talked about that before. Um, I've been in HR for twenty three years. Yeah, so you've um, seen it. I've seen it. I've I've been at the executive level for twelve of those, um, and it's people are you know they equate it to being called to the principal's office, right? Something comes out of the <laughs> HR department, especially if you're coming in to to see the VP or the manager, whoever. Yep. It's like oh, you're in oh, I've been called to the HR, you know, the principal's office. So, uh, and you know, and companies with HR get a bad rap. Anyway, yeah. Um, I had a conversation with a friend of mine today that works for a really large organization and they brought the head of their HR in and they're having some layoffs and stuff. And she said it was the most like just downer kind of a meeting that she'd ever heard. And this is from this is from the the head of HR yeah. that is laying off a bunch of people and they just she's like, I would never I would never go to her. Plus she has no HR experience and they put her in charge of this multi million dollar company. Yeah. You know, and so so yeah, so we do get a bad rap, but you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to fix well, that. And that's interesting. I never looked at it from that perspective because since HR isn't usually something that's put out there when you're talking business development or you know starting up business, is it a trend kind of that you see that people are shoved into HR because they need somebody and they're not necessarily have any idea? Yeah. Because I'm like you, my vision of HR would be positive. Because you're there to make the environment and the employee match. Right. 
And so you're really there as kind of a conduit between the two, but that's not really... You're supposed to be. That's really what is supposed to be. But you're right. There, so, you know, these small businesses that have, you know, under 50 people, they have an office manager. So the office manager does their onboarding and the office manager does their benefits. Now, and, and that's not, they're not trained. You know, if they're smart, they're going to go and join an HR organization and try and go and get some training on it. But that's, you know, a lot of the, the people that I've met in HR didn't start off being HR. I didn't start off in HR. I started off in politics. So very, very different genres that it's kind of an industry yeah it it is a jump and you know life changed and so i did what i kind of fell into yeah i became a temp and then i realized that i loved it and i stayed in it right so but there's that's there's a lot of stories like that in hr where people are like i didn't start off doing this you know i'm i have a psych major or i have a communications major or something you know all of which are important you think about it they, they very much are um but a lot of people, especially small businesses, they don't think about having a full-time HR person. So that's where I come in. I come in and I, I help them strategically set up their infrastructures so that they can worry about their revenue and their business growth so that there's something in place for their employees, right? Because retention right now is tough. Recruiting right now is tough. And if you don't have the tools and the systems and the processes put in place, you risk just kind of going, just everything. kind of rolling with it and you lose it, right? Yeah. You, you a lot of people that I've heard that have talked to me say, you know, we really don't think about HR until we get in trouble. Yeah. And then we wonder where our HR people are. Yeah. Well, you want yeah. to be proactive to try and stop that. So that's one of the things that I do. And then I do training and development, which I absolutely love. I love being able to educate. I love being able to give people tools and resources to be able to do better. Yeah. Um, so I've developed a bunch of different types of trainings, leadership, mentorship, which is very near and dear to my heart, especially for women that are in business that want to become leaders and that have a tendency of picking up all the slack and doing everything, whether they should be doing it or not. They do. Yeah. We, we have a tendency to do that, but we also have a tendency, I think in corporate women and business, they don't support each other like they should. And I think that having good stable mentorship programs that talk about succession and training and coaching, having all that together will help those women succeed. It will help men as well. Um, but I just, you know, I have an affinity for, for women. That um, to see them not have to struggle in ways that I did growing up yeah. in corporate with men at the helm and not understanding HR and I mean you kind of got a double whammy. You're a woman and you're trying to trying to support the HR initiative in an organization and you're not getting what you need. Yeah, um, because you maybe aren't being taken as seriously as you could be. Yeah, or you should be. Yeah. Well, and that goes back to kind of the traditional where HR has been. In the past, because yeah. that's probably been budding heads in a lot of situations with yeah. women in the field in HR. Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine some of the trepidation with women, and not so much now. Things have changed a lot, you know, really even in the last 10 years. But before that, you know, usually we're talking about getting in trouble. You, yeah. know, you go to HR because you have a complaint. Yeah. And as a woman, a lot of the times it's because you're not getting what you should get or right. you're being treating, treated in a way that you shouldn't be treated. So... There you go. You're lining it up again. But that's not why I have you here today. Well, as much as I love, and actually, I have this whole thing after, and I I don't know if you remember, I actually met you in October. Yes. At at the E-Women event there. I I don't know if you've heard what happened. My life kind of fell apart after that event, but we'll get into that later. But I was really excited because I love HR. and, And I think that philosophy needs to be, 
in our homes and in our families. And I think we can, you know, kind of take that HR mentality and, and sh- bring it around. But like I said, what I'm excited about was your news, which I just heard about at our luncheon yesterday. Um, I talk a lot in the podcast. I, you know, I've been doing the kind of prelude to this new launch and talking a lot about your story and who you are and where your story comes from and what makes our story and why it's important and how we have the ability to change our story. It's not easy. And sometimes you have to do really hard things. Yep. Um, And sometimes there are things that have to change for safety or just, you know, for my, you know, to keep yourself sane or keep your family together. Yeah. But sometimes it's just something that you need to do to go to your next step, which is kind of where you come in. We talk about boundaries and we talk about boxes and thinking outside the box and really what's next to challenge yourself. And you did something huge. I mean, I can't even imagine. So tell everybody what you're doing. And then we'll talk about how you came to that decision. So I am competing in the Mrs. Texas pageant next week. uh, So the end of April. And well, she gets a crown. That's I mean, you know, I don't even care what they call you. But I just I would love to have a crown. I I got a crown. Um, I'm currently Mrs. Frisco, which is the regional title they gave me when I signed up to do this competition. Um, And it's been it's been an experience. It's been um, something I never thought I would ever do again. So you say again. So you've done pageants when I was 17. So we're talking 30 years ago. Okay. Right. Well, but at least you have yeah. kind of an understanding of what you're getting into. You know, I thought that. <laughs> but <laughs> not. You would think. But no. So I I'm, grew up in California in San Diego. And I did a competition in high school as a joke because a girlfriend of mine wanted to do it. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? She dropped out. I stayed in. And I ended up winning the entire thing. Good for you. But the scale of that is about 10% of the scale of pageants in Texas. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Texas takes a lot of things very seriously. Football. Yep. And pageants. Yeah. Pageants, the, the whole, it kind of fits in with the cheerleading and all that kind of yes. stuff that happens. And so when I did this, um, the premise was I needed to challenge myself and, and Let's, let's be very honest. Over the last two years, I have challenged myself in ways that I never thought possible. I walked away from corporate after 20 plus years, gave up a really nice salary and said, I'm going to start my own business. And then I went back to school. So I'm not only doing a pageant right now, but I'm in my last class of my master's. Yes, I actually, I read that, that you're finishing your master's degree, yeah. which yeah. is, you know, if you're going to go, I always say go big. Well, and that's pretty big. <laughs> pretty, I, that's what I did. So, you know, my fault. Not my full life, but my life since I was divorced back in 2007 has been about showing my children that it's never too late to do something and expanding and doing things that are hard. And it was hard being a single parent. It was hard getting divorced. So it was hard trying to figure out who I was after all of that. And so this, this part of my journey now, the pageant, has been about I want to expand who I am. I want to challenge myself in areas that I would never ever think about doing um i want to get out of the community a little bit more than i have and i want something that can help me promote my business yeah and why not do this yeah um and i didn't even think about it until i was at the miss Texas pageant last summer um taylor kilpatrick who was miss frisco at the time is the emerging leader for the dallas chapter yes and i wondered how that all fit in because i remember seeing that yeah so i met i met taylor randomly at the gym one day she was doing a promo for Miss Frisco for her platform, which was um, heart health. 
And I just walked up to her and I just said, you know, congratulations. And I just want to tell you, I did this once a long time ago. Do as much as you possibly can with it. Because I didn't take the opportunity when I was 17. Yeah. Because I had no support. I didn't know what well, I was and, doing. And you had no idea. I mean, there wasn't a plan. No, it wasn't. There was no plan for what happens if. Right? Yeah. There was not even an if in my brain. And so I just kind of chatted with her. And from there, um, I met her mother. And, and Taylor and I just became really great friends. And... I went to her pageant and I remember sitting there with Tony and my daughter and I'm like, I could do that. Tony's like, oh, do it. That would be great. And um, Taylor said the same thing. And so I took a couple months and kind of molded over. And my daughter was like, mom, if you really want to do this, I will pay half of your entry. And so <laughs> I said, okay. So in October, I sent in my application. So let me pause you for a second. So I love the fact that not only did they support you mentally mm-hmm. and emotionally, but they were willing to stand up and actually put money down and say, I want you to be able to follow your, yep. you know, your goals, your next, your dreams, as I like yep. to call them. Yep. Next step. I love that. That's my whole family has been very supportive of this. I've got my parents are coming in from California. My best friend's coming in from North Carolina. And, you know, and then, the, of course, eWomen, who has been nothing but supportive. I never in my entire career or my life have been around so many motivated women that just want to support you just for the sake of supporting you they don't want anything out of it they don't want anything back yeah you know they just want to do that and i being in corporate america as a woman in leadership you just don't get that yeah that's just not there well anyone who has known me for more than five minutes knows what a huge fan i am of e-women and sandra and how much i've learned yeah from them and the other women that are in there and and like you said, the thing that's so amazing you know whether you have a business or not whether you work for somebody else whether you're Run the PTA. Right. This is the organization that you need to be a part of because nowhere have I ever seen in any other organization, no matter how female focused they are, the kind of support. Yeah. They just, there's just not. Yeah. There's not. So do you, was that part of your decision knowing that you have this kind of support or did you jump in and then be thankful for the support? No, I think it was because I knew I would have the support. So from the very first time I said, you know what, I might do this. It was do it. After that, that would be so great. We'll be part of the team. We'll help you whatever you want. You know, Taylor was there when I found my dress, you know, but my, but the big thing is that my family, my daughter and my son, my husband have been like really supportive of it. My bonus children have to, I got a text a couple of months ago from my bonus son and he's like, are, are you Mrs. Frisco? But <laughs> yes. And he's like, that's awesome. You know, so that the support has been amazing. The, the, the growth that I'm seeing in myself, I've, I've had to kind of step back and decide, am I going to take better care of myself? Right. And from a health perspective, um, I'd gotten to a place that I didn't like to be. I've been an athlete my whole life. So looking at myself in the mirror was really hard. And I think that any woman, they always see the, the, the things that aren't perfect. Yeah. When you look in the mirror. You know, and, and it's funny because you said that, and especially that way, because that's one of the things that I say a lot. And actually, I wrote a book. I put a little book of quotes out last year. And one of the things in there is that we would never say to our friends the kind of things that we say to ourselves. No. And I no. have no idea where that comes from. So I am on a, a mission to figure out how that, where that comes from, because it, you see it in all ages. Yeah. Um, all ethnic, all financial backgrounds. It's, it's just it's something that's part of us. We yeah. need to change that. Yeah. And it's harder now with social media and all the stuff that you see and the programming that happens. And 
you know, I've had a self-esteem issue a lot of my life. I'm not an identical twin. And she was very popular. Boys liked her. And, and we're identical. So it's one of those things where it's kind of like, how do you justify, justify that? Right. Yeah. So it took me a lot of years to figure that out. And I love my sister to death. Um, but it was one of those things where doing this pageant, stepping back and looking at myself and saying, it's okay if I'm not a size two. You know, it's okay if my hair isn't long and I don't look the part. I had a panic attack when I first saw all the photos of the women in the pageant with me. And there's 24 of us. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is insane. And I had one of the women at E-Women, we had a leadership meeting the same day. And we got on a Zoom call and she said, you know what, Dustin? She said, I voted for you because there's a voting thing. And I, I said, thank you. I appreciate that. She's like, you know what? She's like, and don't get offended. She's like, you don't look like the rest of them. You look real. And that was probably one of the most amazing comments somebody could tell me because she's like, they look like pageant ladies. And, and that's not a put down at yeah, all. Yeah. These are women that take great care of themselves and they're beautiful. And everybody I've had any contact with is just wonderful. But she's like, you don't look like them because you look like the real person. I see when I'm looking at that photo, I see you. You know, I don't see something that's not there. Well, and the beauty of that is in itself for whoever that should be empowering. Yes. Because there doesn't have to be a look. But it's, it's hard not to get caught up in that. There shouldn't be. You're absolutely right. That shouldn't be. I've never been one that that submits to the, the look. Yeah. You know, I've been a tomboy my whole life. I'm just, I am. Oh, I am too. Yeah. Oh, I am. But I like to put on a nice dress. Yeah. And get my hair fixed and, you know, do that on occasion. And But I'm learning about myself. I'm learning about what my limits are and that I can push those limits. You know, and I'm allowing myself to say it's okay for me to get on a stage with a bunch of people that I don't know in a bathing suit and be judged for what I look like in that. Yeah. And that's not going to harm me. Yeah. You know, and that's going to, that's okay. Well, and, and I love how some of the objectivity of what pageants used to be mm-hmm. to what they are now, you are seeing a little bit of a mental shift mm-hmm. that, I mean, when you come right down to it, you still are up there in a bathing suit yeah. being judged for how you look. Yeah. But there is more to it there is and now have you seen that as a participant in it is it truly that way or is it more just that what they want us to see um i think that it truly is that way at certain levels i was a little disappointed when i found out there was a bathing suit competition in this and this is what they call what's the word that i'm looking for if that's the like the wellness part of it yeah like but a bathing suit isn't about wellness no it's about it's about the aesthetic yeah. And that's not what it is. Now, when I went to Miss Texas, they don't have a bathing suit in the Miss pageant. It's um, talent. It's onstage question. It's your interview and it's your your evening gown. You know, so this one is is a little different. And I'm thinking for women that are misses, which means you're married. Most of us have children, um, maybe several. Right. Everybody's just not the same. And we're competing at 46. I'm competing against 18 year olds because the only standard is that you're married. Oh, no, it's a, it's a very different kind of thing in my... So that you know, just makes you even more amazing. I had no idea. I mean, I thought... I, I knew that Mrs. was married, but I thought there was at least some kind of age in there. 18. Wow. 18. And so that that's... I don't know who the youngest contestant is that, that I'm competing against, but that's the only thing that I was a little disappointed in. I was happy to find that the interview is 50% of your total. Bathing suit and then the evening gown is 25%. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that, that makes it. And I think that's been a shift. I think that they put a lot more emphasis on how you interact with people than they used to say 20 or 30 years ago. And, and that you're 
and I don't know the term they use, your cause, your benefit, what you're, your platform, your yeah. platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that more of it too? Because you start to hear more about. It is, in the, it is in the Miss pageant. So the Miss America, um, the one that Taylor's in, the Miss Universe, there's a lot about platform. The only time I've been asked about that so far is in my bio. Yeah. And the, the page that I'm giving to the judges, mm-hmm. you have to have, you know, what would you be promoting? And for me, I'm promoting women in leadership. Yeah. That's what I want. That's my passion. I want women to have the resources and the coaching and the mentorship that they need yeah. to feel confident to be able to be in charge of somebody that's twice their age or in a new you know, role that they've never been in before, that they can succeed, that that's something they could do. You know, I didn't get a lot of that. So well, I and what a great that. example that you can say, I can stand up in front of a crowd of people, yes. in front of competitors that are half my age in a bathing suit. So if I can do this, then you can do anything. Yeah, that's and that's part of, I think, why I'm doing that. Not, I think for me that there's a lot more that's come out of this than when I first started. Oh yeah, right. Is I want to do this just because it's going to, it's going to, promote my business some, it's going to put me in the community and it's going to expand my boundaries. Like it's really going to push those boundaries for me. But I think at the end of the day, I'm getting out of this as much as I'm putting into it. And I'm able to say those things. I'm able to say, yeah, I did this. This is one of the parts of my journey to become a better and to fix those kind of things in my head that says I'm not good enough. Yeah. Because we, as successful as you are, I would, I would bet that the most successful woman in the world still can sit in front of a mirror and pick yourself apart and say, I'm not good enough. And not even in the front of the mirror. I mean, you're driving down the road. Oh, yeah. My last conversation and the last person I saw and the last thing I did. I mean, we managed to criticize everything. everything. So look, I'm going to ask you something. Um, and this is kind of one of the way, reasons I love these kind of organic interviews. Yeah. Stuff pops up. So everything that you've said, I think I know the answer to this. But I did a book study with a um, group of businesswomen. And sadly, I don't remember exact title of the book, but it was about courage. And they talked about how men have more courage than women. And from the like page two, I was upset with the way they presented this because to me, courage is not something they're born with. Men have, I think, a more innate ability biologically just to go out and do stuff and not feel worried about it but I think the courage that you learn is based on what you're encouraged to do and that you learn courage and this is the Sandra thing you know you you don't gain courage you're not born with it you have to earn it yeah um so a situation like this I mean it takes courage to do but what you're getting from it is more courage so how do you explain that to somebody I mean how do you say okay, there's something out there that you want to do. You want to test your boundaries. You want to get outside the box. How do you do it? I mean, that's a hard, that's a, that's a big question. I mean, it's, it's a really big question because I think that we have been indoctrinated for so long as women where men do this and women do this. And, and if you're assertive, you're aggressive. And if you're upset about something, you're emotional and all of those things. And I think we, I think for me to explain something to somebody that's afraid or has reservations about moving forward is what do you have to lose at the end of the day, right? You've done an experience. Maybe the, maybe you didn't really like it at the end, but you did it. And now you have that in the back of your head and you have that in your experiences that you grow from. You know, um, I believe in growing from every experience you have. Negative or positive. It's funny. I literally just 
did that on my I recorded a podcast on my before I came over here and that was what yeah. I talked about is you know everything is your perspective now you have a choice and courage to me is a choice being brave about something is a choice it's either you're going to put yourself out there or you're not are you willing to lose an experience that could better you as a person or help people around you or give you experience to help other people or are you going to sit back and say I'm too afraid to do that right and it's and fear is a is a big emotion stops yeah. a lot of people from doing things and um the question becomes whether you're willing to learn from it whether you're willing to put yourself out there and accept the criticism or the ridicule or the potential for it not being a, the best experience ever you know and and there's a lot of times in my life where i passed something up you know because i was afraid when i held my title the first time i was afraid of what people would think or what people would say. And I passed a lot of stuff up, you know, 2020 hindsight, right? Now. Yeah. That's all that you look at that roof here and you see the things you could have done. The question is, what are you going to do going forward? Yeah. You know, and, and yes, it's scary and yes, it's nerve wracking, but I guarantee you nine out of 10 people that take a step to do something that they're afraid of, they come back and say, man, I am so glad that I did that. Yeah. You know, that. And I want to throw a caveat out here because, you know, we're talking about a pretty big step here. I mean, that's cute. And I'm not sure that. Even if I was, I was about to say, even if I look better in a baby suit, I'm not sure I could be saying. Um, but your fear is your fear. And and yeah. so, for instance, I mentioned this road trip that I went on. I drove across the country by myself. Very cool. And I had people reach out to me and go, one dear friend of mine said, I was talking about, I was eating, rest, eating lunch at a restaurant. She goes, I've never even gone out to eat by myself. Oh. And so your fear may be much smaller compared to what we're talking about now but the understanding of having to conquer that fear is the same it is the steps you need to take and if it is just you going out to eat by yourself or going to a movie by yourself or going you know driving an hour or two away to go to a festival or a museum or driving across the country for 8181 miles whatever it is The benefit is conquering that fear. It doesn't matter what the fear is. And it's easier the next time. And it's easier the next time. And so you build on those small steps. You build on those small steps. And and I remember um, I, when I got divorced, it, the hardest thing I ever did. I had two small children. I was breaking up a family. But for, and I, there's all sorts of reasons why, and it was the right choice. And my children now understand that it was the right choice. And our lives would have been very different if I had chosen not to do that. And I remember going out to eat the first time. And I was like, people are just going to look at me. You know, and then I realized that who cares? Yeah. I need to eat. And I don't want to do it in my house. I don't want another ramen dinner for for tonight because my kids are with their father, you know. So I learned to do all of those things. But you're right. Fear is fear. So whether it's a small thing or whether it's a big thing, it's whether or not you're willing to step out of your comfort zone and say, I'm going to do this. And let's see where it takes and see how it shapes you and take that experience, good, bad, or otherwise, and take the lessons you can learn from that to make you a better person, you know? So we talked about your first pageant and how afterwards you didn't take advantage of that. So if we win the crown, and did you hear me that crown? <laughs> There's something so girly about the crown. The one I had yesterday and you could have borne oh, it. I, I actually, I actually the funny that. thing is I have a tear out. There's a, a, oh, several friends of ours, or mine, um, years ago, bought tiaras just oh, for fun. the hug of it. And so why not just random, yeah, why not wear them out? And yeah. so I was in Texas 
actually it was last February. Uh, and it was funny because I flew my, a, a friend of mine flew in. I just, I got robbed. It was, oh, when I was here, they, it was before I did um, Tony's speaker's event. And I, they took everything out of my car. I mean, I lost, I had just loaded my car up and went back into the hotel. And they just took and all my clothes. And sadly, my purse was in there. So anyway, regardless, she came down and she brought me a new tiara because I had my tiara in there. And we went out that night and... It's wonderful because people are like, you know, are you a bride? Are you right. married? Yeah. I'm like, no, it's just Thursday. Yeah. It's just, just what I wanted. Yeah. And, and not? people are so attracted to that. So what can you do today? That's just going to say this is my day. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Um, and anyway, I got off the point. The question was, what's the next step then? If you get your crown, how are you going to use that? to promote your platform and to promote your business? What, what I will, next in that? Yeah, so that's a great question because I've not really thought past just being there at this point. <laughs> well, you are a week away, yeah. so you kind of- That is true. In the forefront yeah. of your thought. Um, my my goal for that, if if that happens, if I'm if I'm blessed to, to be able to win that title, um, I want every opportunity. So it's going to be, you know, somebody calls me for something, post stuff where I'm gonna be, what am I gonna do? Um, the, the um, administrators of the pageant actually help with that because you're going to be all over Texas. Yeah. Um, so for me, I don't have an excuse not to just say, all right, load me up. What do we need to do? Yeah. You know, um, of course, for me, part of that is going to be having my my family present. Yeah. You know, I want my husband to be part of that. I want my children to be part of that. Um, but for me, it's every opportunity. You know, load me up. Let me know. What do you want? Let's let's do whatever, whatever you want. Um I'll have to manage my clients and my business, you know, at the same time, but, uh, probably but fit. What a great example. Sample. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. Can we push our meeting back? Cause I have a, you know, I have to go, I have to go wear my crown for a while. I had to do that last week. I got a, a new client and we met on Monday and he said, okay, well, when can you start? And I said, well, I can't start next week cause I'm doing this in Texas. <laughs> and, and they thought that was the coolest thing. And they're like, well, that's, I understand that. So we had to push it off another two weeks, put it off the CEO. I was going to be in, in Las Vegas, but you know, it's my clients all know they understand. Um, I, I won't let my business go downhill for something like that. But at the same time, I think it will promote that. I yeah. Think it will make well, it even more visible. What an example for your clients to say, I'm willing to go out on yeah. such a limb yeah. for myself. Yeah. You know, what will I do for you? Well, and I want to be able to kind of break that stereotype too, right? So if if somebody like myself has an opportunity to win a crown and be able to promote that throughout the state of Texas and then at the national pageant, it's I'm I'm like everybody else, right? I'm a business owner, I'm a I'm a graduate, I'm a mother, I'm a tomboy at heart, you know. Yeah. Um maybe that will help promote other women that are my age to kind of get out of their comfort zone saying, No, I could do that too. Yeah, and it's something that we could that we could promote that we could do would be okay. You don't have to look a certain way. Yeah, to be not to a certain right size or you know, the mentality, mentality or you know, yeah. Let's do a Miss Congeniality movie. Yeah, you know. right. So what is next then? I mean, this is a pretty big outside of the box. How do you top that? Oh, I'm sure something will come up. <laughs> I, I I'm sure something will come up. I've thought about you know writing a book, which I'm. I'm scared to do because I'm trying to figure out like topics and I've, I've, I've come up with something. Uh, this journey oh, is the perfect. Well, this journey fits into what I'm calling rise. 
which is resilience, identity, strength, and endurance. And that's love that. That's my story. Yeah. Um, it goes all the way back with and identity being the, probably the biggest piece of that. Yeah. Because I don't think that you realize your resilience, you realize your strength and your endurance that you have unless you understand your identity. Well, and that feeds into this whole thing of what's your story. Yeah. Um, and I think in one of the things, and it was interesting because I, I was at an event last night and they were talking about story. I mean, story is a big kind of a but stopping. It's just a, it's just a series of stories. Right? Yeah. And what it is. And most people that I find either say they don't have a story or the story's not, their story's not important. Right. And I think that that whole rise anachronism talks about yeah. that and, and why you need to start with and why I'm so big on promoting know what your story is. Yeah. You know, and the, and there's every story, every person's story. There's some of them that we don't like. There's some we wish we didn't do. Right. But again, like you said, that makes us who we are. Well, it gives you this, it gives you the strength. And I think with women, especially if you are willing to take those bad things and not sit in them, but lean into the lessons that you've learned from them, you become that stronger person and it gives you the endurance to be able to get up and go on. And, you know, it, it, it took me after my divorce three years to merge my identity between when I was at home versus when I was at work. Three years it took to figure out who I was and what my true identity was. In the was. middle of those two. In the middle, yeah, in the middle of that. And, um, you know, I tell a story about the identity. I'm an identical twin. Yeah. So I have an identical twin in California. And inevitably when I go home, I find somebody that will come up to me. Hey, Shelby, how's it going? You know, what, what have you been up to? And at that point, I have to make a choice. Do I make it easy on that person and not embarrass them by just pretending to be my sister? Or do I stop the conversation and say, hey, I'm not Shelby, I'm Dustin, I'm a town visiting, how are you? Yeah. And that changes the conversation, right? So the question is, is if you are willing to really be authentic to your identity, are you willing to change the conversation, right? Wow. So I've learned to change the conversation, to be the conversation that's for me versus for somebody else. I love that. What a perfect way to end this. Um, and I know this is probably repetitive. What, a sh what an example are um not only because you're an amazing businesswoman and you're so well spoken about everything but the fact that you're taking on a challenge and willing to sit down and talk about it and i can't wait to cheer i wish i was going to be here i mean it would have been fun to watch i appreciate um, but we'll be watching from online yeah. and so by the time this actually posts we will know we will have an answer yeah. so yeah. good luck thank you and this has just been so great to watch thank you you know all this, all this happening, and I can't wait to see what goes on. I appreciate this. Yeah. Win or lose, I'm just excited about the experience. Yeah, yeah, and and getting a new dress. Oh, I love my dress. <laughs> well, I hope we'll see pictures. You will. Okay, time okay. some pictures. Probably well, too many. No, never too many. Thank you so much again. Thanks for hanging out with me today. If you enjoyed the story, let me know by sharing it using the hashtag Epic Stories Podcast or leave a comment on my Epic Living with Jean Facebook page. Head to my website, epiclivingwithjean.com, to learn more about what it means to live epic. While you're there, download my free guide, Seven Ways to Start Living Epic, to take your first steps. If you'd like to learn more about my Dream Manager program, or just want to chat about what epic might look like in your life, reach out and we'll set up a call. See you next time. I hope you go out and live epic today and every day. And remember, it's all about the story.